Let us pray. So, Father, indeed, we pray that you would open our eyes, that we would see Jesus. Open our ears that we would hear your word and your word alone. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. So good to see all of you here this morning. We had a wonderful day here yesterday with our monthly food giveaway, and um, I think the final count was we served 231 families. And um, yes, thank you. We can give thanks to God for that. And um, 40 people received prayer yesterday as well. And talking, uh, one of our volunteers was talking, I got here and the line was already... Not that I was the first one here. I'm not for food giveaways. Let me be very clear. Um, but the line was from the side office door all the way out to the dumpster corral. And one of our volunteers was talking with a lady who was first in line. They had gotten here at 5 a.m., which gives us a sense of just how um, pronounced the food insecurity is in our community. Another thing that was interesting yesterday, Heidi Reichert was curious. So she went shopping yesterday. She made a list of what we were giving each family that came through. And so she went to the grocery store to do some shopping. And she also did a price check on the value of the different things. And we're giving, um, thanks be to God, each family over $60 worth of groceries when they come through. Um, yeah, so thanks be to God. And thank you all for your, your service, for your faithful support and donations that make this possible. So grateful to the Lord for that. I want you to take out your Bibles or devices with Scripture on them this morning. Turn to our Gospel reading from chapter 9 of St. Matthew's Gospel. And then if you have a paper, uh, if you're looking in a paper Bible, also mark um, Acts chapter 1 with a, your finger or a piece of paper. Um, don't use the new visitor cards for that, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> unless you're going to put them back in the rack. Um, but today is... Um, World Mission Sunday, the next to last Sunday of Epiphany, wherever it falls on the church calendar, is World Mission Sunday. So our focus today from Matthew chapter 9 and Acts chapter 1, as well as our Old Testament reading, um, are about mission. And the fact is, our God is a missionary God. The ultimate, most profound, and most eloquent demonstration of the missionary heart of God is the fact that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, God the Son eternal, into this world as a human being in order for us, in order for you and me to be reconciled to God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, we read this. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Then in verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 5, it continues, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God's heart is one of mission. If we have the heart of God as believers and as a church, our lives and the life of this church will be one of mission, the mission of God. Now, I know sometimes you will hear people make pronouncements regarding the missionary call of the church, such as, well, I believe that missions begin at home. Or there are so many needs here, why should anyone go to another country or region of the world? Or we need to take care of our own first. And when I hear that particular statement, the thing that always comes to mind, 
to mind to me are Jesus' words, the first shall be last. But where does this kind of thinking come from? Well, it does not come from scriptures. As we look at our gospel and New Testament readings today, this sort of thinking is clearly not supported by God's word. And it certainly doesn't reflect the heart of God either. So my sermon today is entitled, God's Heart, Our Missionary Call. We'll spend most of our time looking at Matthew chapter 9, then conclude with a brief look at Acts chapter 1. As we begin looking at this wonderful call which God has placed upon his people, the starting place is Jesus, the eternal Son of God himself. Because we see our Lord himself going through all the cities and villages, and as he goes throughout the region, we see him doing three specific things. Teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, in other words, preaching and telling the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ, and also healing every disease and affliction. And the example of our Lord Jesus Christ himself is indeed our missionary call. In John 14, verse 12, we read these words of Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. But how is this possible? Teaching, proclaiming, healing. How do we, fully human and frail as we are, ever get to the place of fulfilling this call of God to us? Well, let's look a little further into our reading from St. Matthew's Gospel. Fulfilling our missionary call begins with cultivating a missionary heart. Look at verse 36 of Matthew 9. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus is well acquainted with the condition of the crowds. They were lost. They were dead in their trespasses and sins. But beyond that, as Matthew says, they were harassed and helpless. They were cast down in a sad state and to be pitied. As the New Testament scholar of an earlier generation, A.T. Robertson says, they were rent and mangled as if by wild beasts. The bottom line is that all of these graphic descriptors pointed to their spiritual condition. It pointed to their spiritual state of being. And worse yet, their religious leaders, who should have seen and pointed them to the truth in Jesus, instead led them further astray. But Jesus is filled with compassion. Jesus recognizes that they are like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus' response to their sad state is not anger, nor is it resignation simply thrown up his hands. His response is a response of compassion. The heart of God for the lost is tenderness and compassion. And if our heart is to be fully aligned with the missionary heart of God, we too must be filled with compassion like Jesus was filled com with compassion for the lost, for those who need Christ, for those who need a Savior. Now to be clear, compassion is not enabling. 
Compassion doesn't mean just blessing someone and continuing in debauchery and sin. The reality is there's nothing loving or gracious or compassionate about that. We are called lovingly, lovingly to speak the truth of God. It is not loving to not speak the truth of someone who is engaged in a way of being or a lifestyle and is on a path that leads to not only wreck and ruin in this life, but to eternal destruction. There's nothing gracious and loving about that. But we must be filled with compassion, with the heart of Jesus, to speak God's truth in love to those who desperately need to hear it, to speak it in word and Indeed. And then out of a God-given missionary heart comes our missionary response. Hear what Jesus says to his disciples, continuing in Matthew 9, 37 through 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The harvest is is plentiful. The fact is that the harvest is so plentiful that it can be overwhelming. Where in the world do we begin? Well, we begin by God's grace and power with what we can do. I think of St. Teresa of Calcutta, who overwhelmed with the poverty that she saw and the starvation and the deprivation that she saw in Calcutta, India, started serving one person at a time. I think of missionary Lillian Thrasher, who is less familiar, who went to Egypt in 1910 when she was 23 years old as a missionary. And when she got there, her, one of her first encounters was with a dying woman who handed her her baby and said, will you take care of my baby? And out of that grew an orphanage and a ministry that lasted not only her lifetime, she was called to be with the Lord in 1962, but an orphanage that continues to this very day, began with doing what she could. She was presented with a need, and she answered God's call in that moment. Jesus was confronted with an overwhelming scene. But what does Jesus instruct his disciples to do? Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord. When faced with an overwhelming need or even one of crisis, we must first respond by turning toward God, of, by placing our trust in Him. And as overwhelming as a need may appear to be, this is actually a really good position for us to be in as a Christian. And I'm not being trite by saying this. I'm not at all indicating that things would be easy. They won't be. But it is when we come to the absolute end of our own capabilities and our means, when we realize that there is nothing within us that can even begin to address a need in the natural, that is when we are at the place that most effectively be used by God. Jesus commands his disciples, and that includes each of us who know him, each of us here today, to pray earnestly to pray for the spiritual and the physical needs of those around us and across the world, to pray for our brothers and sisters around the world, to pray for God to raise up and call missionaries even from this nation and from our church, even from this local church, to go to the ends of the earth. 
And God honors those kinds of prayers. Catholic author Erasmo Leva Maricakis in his meditation on St. Matthew's Gospel captures the necessity of this kind of prayer for mission wonderfully when he writes this. How can God refuse a prayer that manifests to him that the person praying has wholly appropriated God's own dearest interests? Let me re read that again. How can God refuse a prayer that manifests to him that the person praying has wholly appropriated God's own dearest interests? If we're to be a missionary church that demonstrates the heart of God, ours must be a missionary response. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. And then finally, our missionary method. Turn, if you would, to our New Testament reading from Acts chapter 1. In Acts 1, 7 through 8, we read these words. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In relation to what we've just read in Matthew 9, I think it's important to understand the implication that the fulfillment of, fulfillment of what Jesus promises in Acts 1.8 is birthed in a setting of fervent, continual prayer. In Acts 1.4, Jesus commands these believers to not depart Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. And then continuing a little bit further along in Acts chapter 1, verses 13 through 14, we read this. And when they had entered, they went to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. They were with one accord devoting themselves to prayer. And God brought to pass what he had promised. The Holy Spirit came upon them. God himself empowered them to be his witnesses. Not simply through their strength or ingenuity. Not just through their plans or strategies or methods. But by the fullness of the power of God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity himself. And they took the gospel and the power of God to their local community, and to all the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Do you hear that? It's not an either or. It's not one or the other. It is both and and all of the above. You and I are called, brothers and sisters, to be witnesses but we need to be witnesses in the way that God has designed in the truth and power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we make plans, but that's not what comes first. We begin by being in earnest, fervent prayer. We begin by being empowered with the Holy Spirit. 
too often in the American church, we start with our plans, our strategies, and then we ask God to come in and bless them rather than starting with God and seeking God and knowing the heart and the plan and the strategy that God is calling us to be about. Everything we must do, excuse me, everything we do must be in keeping in step with the Spirit. As, rem- as we are reminded in Galatians, Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. In light of this, and I'll be saying more about this on the first Sunday in Lent, I'm calling us to a season of prayer, of prayer for seeking God, for seeking His heart and His vision and His strategy for reaching our community and partnering with missionaries all across the United States and around the world. Um, on the first Sunday in Lent, and there'll be more about this in the, um, in the newsletter coming up, we're, we want to rejuvenate and renew the use of our prayer room coming out of COVID these days. And so we're going to have an open house in the prayer room following both the 8.15 and the 11 o'clock service on the first Sunday in Lent. And there will be a, a group of folks, um, thank you Mother Valerie for organizing this, who will be over in the prayer room to, um, with some refreshments. So we'll, we'll kind of draw you over there with coffee and that sort of thing. It's kind of like, how do you get a, a, a teenage boy to come to youth group? You just wave pizza in front of his face. Well, with, with all of us, we just kind of wave coffee and donuts in front of us and say, come on over. Now, but seriously, um, we will have refreshments and then it'll be an opportunity to see the prayer room for those of you who maybe have never been there, um, to get oriented to how to utilize the prayer room and the resources there to pray very specifically and fervently for needs both here and around the world. Our God is a missionary God. This is God's heart. And as his people, we have a missionary calling. We have a missionary calling to the ends of the earth. We are called to raise up in God's grace and timing missionaries to go to the ends of the earth. We are called to partner with missionaries sent around the world. And we are doing that, but we are called to do that in ever-increasing measure, particularly missionaries who go and work with believers in foreign lands and raise up leaders, what we call indigenous church principles, so that the churches there become healthy and thriving and they are self-supporting and they have their own leadership and they do their own work of the gospel and evangelizing to the ends of the earth. We're called to engage in ministries and partner with ministries of compassion we're called to do that internationally. We're also called to do that here in our nation. We're called to partner with church planters. And if you look at our domestic outreach, we're doing that more and more, partnering with new church plants in the region and across the eastern seaboard. You know that church planting is one of the most effective means of evangelism that there is? We need to partner with our church planters. And we are called to do the work of the ministry, to be missionaries here in our Jerusalem, in our own community. And I know I say it over and over, but you're going to keep hearing me say it over and over. God has brought the nations of the world to our doorstep right here in Woodbridge and Dale City. Just look at our neighborhood down the hill. And God's heart is that this church and the complexion and the makeup of this church reflects those nations of the world in ever-increasing measure. God is calling us to reach our neighbors at their point of need, their physical need, their spiritual need, to share the good news of Jesus with them. 
and see them be brought in, gathered in. People from every nation, language, tribe, and tongue, all together worshiping the Lord. And even as I shared in my rector's address, my prayer is in line with Isaiah 56 that this house, this house of the Lord shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples, for every people group, that we would truly be the church that God is calling us to be, that we would be the missionary that God is calling us to be and the missionary senders that God is calling us to be, that this church would be a house of prayer for all peoples right here in our community and a house of prayer for the peoples that we reach to the ends of the earth by God's grace and power. Let us pray. So, Father, we begin with words of thanksgiving and gratefulness to you for your missionary heart, that you have reconciled the world to yourself and offered your salvation to all through your Son, Jesus Christ, who came and lived as one of us and died on our behalf. How grateful we are. And Father, we, we want to be obedient to your call to us as a church, as believers. So Lord, may we lay aside humanly crafted strategies and seek you, seek you earnestly, seek you fervently, that you would pour your vision into us and give us your strategy for partnering with missions and missionaries around the world. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would raise up young people to be missionaries to the ends of the earth, that you would call them to give their lives even on the mission field in the days and the years to come for the sake of the gospel. And Lord, that you would also equip us to reach our community. Lord, show us, Lord, how to step forward, break down the barriers, the hindrances that are there, that this church would be a house of prayer truly for all peoples. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.